Hello guys and welcome, welcome to, to Happy, Happy Single, Single Mums. Are you really just going to copy everything I'm saying? Yes! <laughs> Hello guys and welcome to Happy Single Mums, a podcast surrounding real single mummy life. So, here, here's your host, me, Khalifa. Hey guys and welcome to Happy Single Mums. I'm your host Khalifa. Today we're going to be speaking to Emma Kenny. She's a psychologist, TV presenter, writer and expert media commentator and is now recognised as one of the UK's leading TV psychologist experts. She is perhaps best known for her role as resident psychologist on ITV This Morning where during the show viewers phone in and she gives them her expert advice. And she's also a BBC Radio 1 resident life hack expert where people can call in and she can give them her personal life hacks. That's where I actually found her. Emma is such a wonderful guest and she's going to be sharing her knowledge today. Thank you so much for taking the time out um, and doing this with me because I've got the podcast called Happy Single Mums and I'm a single mum. My son's dad's not involved at all. He's nine years old. And the reason why I started the podcast was because I found that whenever I would tell people that I'm a single mum, they're like, oh, but you're happy, you know, like. (laughs) I was a single mum for a long time. Yeah. And I'm just like, so what, am I meant to be sad? Am I meant to be like in a council flat? Am I like, what? Like, what, is what are the mom? assumptions and prejudice about yeah, a woman who's really, on her own? It really, really upset me. Like, and a lot of guys would be like, oh, like, um, oh, I can I can come and play football with your son. I'm like, no, my son's fine. Thank you. Exactly. You exactly. Know? That whole concept I didn't get, but I completely concur because I was on my own for five years and I yeah. don't have really that much involvement with my ex-husband. He's fine. He's an okay guy, but he's yeah. not been involved in the kids' lives. But it's just been such a privilege. And now yeah. I've got another husband and that's great, but I was so happy on my own. It was brilliant. Oh, yeah no no it's, I, I do I, I do want to get married and everything like I do love the nuclear family and all of that yeah, stuff but, but like for now I'm just enjoying it, it. Exactly. I'm, I'm enjoying it and I often oftentimes I say to my friends that like I think us as women we sit around and we wait to be rescued and I'm like no I'm my own yeah. Rapunzel I'm gonna let my hair down exactly. and climb up that tower destiny yeah exactly but I've got a couple of questions that I would love to ask you I know you yeah I know you like your expert on um ITV and um you've got the life hacks on what is it yeah because Radio Radio yeah. that's where I actually heard you on Radio <laughs> One because you actually um you had a segment about how to form good habits right and, yeah and when I heard it I was like oh my god she is so right like the things that you said I was like no I need to implement this <laughs> in my life and I actually have done that so those are the kind of questions I wanted to ask you but when I was actually doing some research about you you do so much like yeah I don't understand how you how do you do that and whilst maintaining a family do you know it's a really strange thing I have never felt like I've had a job because I've always done what I love. And it's that old adage of if you do something you love, you never work a day in your life. And so whilst I'm really busy, I'm busy doing things that are really enjoyable. And also I think that I'm here for like a breath of consciousness, like a blink Mm. of an eye, I'm going to be dead. (laughs) And also old. 
So the more that I can kind of compartmentalize into my life now, that's really helpful. Also work has helped me in so many ways, like whenever I'm dealing with traumatic stuff, whenever I'm dealing with grief, whenever I'm dealing with life going wrong, work is my anchor and people, because my job is a big part of people, then I guess that I play to the one strength that I've had, which is whenever anybody presents a problem, I see solutions. It's a bit like mathematics, isn't it? You know, some people are just naturally gifted at that. Some people are incredible at art. I'm really bad at most things, but words and the synchronicity and serendipity of solutions that come from that, I've always found that really simple. So even though I seem to do a lot from my crime shows to my stuff on ITV to writing, all of those things, they still are kind of underpinning one area which is just human condition and solution so I think that I am busy but I'm busy doing the one thing that I'm good at as opposed to trying to maintain so many other things and yeah the biggest thing for me has been developing an app in the past few years that would be the only time that I would say I felt that my natural fit has not been necessary necessarily that natural so that's been a little bit more work orientated but nonetheless it still comes down to that whole psychology and connection that was actually going to be my second question to ask you what actually inspired you to create that app as well insanity I think insanity (laughs) clear insanity um well when I was a single mom I basically woke up pretty much a few days after my husband had gone. My husband had an affair with a friend of mine. Always the nearest opportunity, isn't it? They take the simplest route, the simplest (sighs) route. So I kind of had lost my social network. I'd lost one of my closest friends. I'd lost part of my income, even though he didn't earn loads, it was still part of my contribution. I couldn't run. I ran every single day. I'd run six miles a day since I could remember before that I'd been a competitive swimmer. Sport had always been a big part of my life and it was my stress coping and dealing with my life. That was how I managed it. So not getting out was really challenging for me. And the consequence of that was I went out and I bought a Davina DVD, you know, Davina. Yeah, And I wanted her dead after three weeks, honestly, because of her voice and her doing that routine. It's nothing (laughs) to do with her. It's just three weeks after listening to anybody in the same routine drives you. And I couldn't afford to go out and buy another one. So I sat there one night and I was like, what would I do if I had money to stop somebody else going through this? And I thought, if I could create an app that was a place where you could get all your diet advice, positive, you know, all non-processed on a budget because I needed it cheap. If I could get a place where I could get thousands of different kind of videos for every type of exercise or well-being advice and meditation programs and confidence programs or health advice so I knew what was going on with my kids. If there was an opportunity to do that, I'd do it. So as I started to get not successful, but more known, I decided that I would try it. And the first attempt went horribly wrong. I'm like a massive advocate me in failure. I'm so good at it. I like really do well at it. And every time that's happened, it's kind of refined my resilience and I still wanted to do it. So my appy is kind of second version of my experience of dealing with trying to create this. And it brings together all those things I've just said. It's free because I didn't want anybody to ever have to pay for that. I wanted to create a democratic solution to health and wellness. And it's also a social network so you can kind of support each other. So that is where it came from. It came from adversity. It came from thinking about how I could have dealt with my life differently if I'd had that. And, and that's, that's even so refreshing. Me. <laughs> Thank you. It's like I said, I'm half dead now, but at least I've done it right. And exactly. if there's one thing being a single mom teaches you, yeah. it's that 
you just have so much more resource and so much more multifaceted skills than you ever believed right definitely and with for me personally when I found out I was pregnant and my son's dad said to me well um what are you gonna do (laughs) and I said uh I'm not (laughs) and I was like I'm not getting rid of this child because I had a termination before and one thing that a lot of women don't really talk about is like the psychological effects oh it's awful yeah I I feel like people just think that you just think okay I'm pregnant call Mary Stokes pay the the 500 pounds and then Bob's your uncle and it actually that there was a, a particular day I said it in my podcast I was particularly day I was watching a Pampers advert and I started sobbing for like two hours I was like oh my child could have been this it could have been that you know and women don't really talk about the effects so when I got pregnant again I was like look a a termination is something I would never ever do and I had just paid for my master's I was working full-time for the Ministry of Justice so I was pregnant alone working and studying and if anyone had said to me back then do you know what Khalifa you can do this I'd have been like nope I can't but I actually did it. I, I yeah. finished. And like, even down to this podcast, it was like, oh, can I, can I not? And I'm like, just go for it because ultimately life is too short. And yeah, like we have this, there's no second chances. There's no reset button for life. Like you have exactly. to do what you love and you have to also help people along the way. And your Appy app is doing that as well. Totally. So, yeah. like it launches in about four or five weeks time. And I'm scared because like I've done it all myself. I bootstrapped it. Yeah. You get to learn all this technical terminology for investment and bootstrap basically means I paid. And like now I've got to try to get investment and I come from a working class background and being a working class background means that I don't move in the circles that investors move in and that's hard I don't think I've ever recognized class discrimination in the way that I've learned about it in the past few years and you're somebody who obviously has even more discrimination your way obviously because as a black woman even a black successful woman you get even that additionalized on top of it and I think that it, we've got to have those conversations in life these days and I'm seeing more than ever that class divide becoming more of a problem yeah. so I think trying to get women to see that firstly every single woman I've ever met is far more capable than often she's ever exactly. dreamed possible yeah. secondly our natural empathy and nurture means that whatever we turn our hands to we tend to do it we'll in a succeed. deeper more connected yeah. way and also the biggest limitation that women have is that you get told for such a lot of your life that you can't or that men can and you have to recondition and reprogram yourself for me having my kids made me like I was I was really quite a waste of space before I had my kids I didn't really value myself I had miles more issues psychologically the minute that I had my child it was that sense of this is the first time I've got responsibility real responsibility that it can have an impact but also like I was the most important person in the world that's gone from being somebody who didn't have any self-worth to being the most important human being for that child and that for me was a profound epiphany exactly no I always say to my girlfriends that look selfish people can't have kids because it's the most selfless act you would ever have to do in your entire life like and I think that's why some men just can't take it because they want to be the center of your world or they want to be the center of their own world and I'm like it's your secondary you know even I even some yeah, I was going to say, isn't it, some of the things that always get me, and um, when I look back at my single mum days, which was like yeah. just coming up for six years, I was a single mum, although I think I was quite a single mum before that, actually, really, I think women do a lot of the work anyway, but I can remember not wanting to date, I was like really happy with my team, you know, my boys and me were a brilliant team, I had so much fun with them, we had no money, and you know what, they are still my favourite times, you know, scrimping yes. to go to the park for a picnic, all of that 
really gives me the most pleasure when I reflect. It's not the days at the theme parks and the holidays. It's the being able to have a chubba chub lolly on a park yes. or maybe an ice cream sometimes. Like my dad would pay for my ice creams for my kids because he was a brilliant man, my dad. So those memories are really golden to me. But as I started to kind of tentatively think to myself, like basically that I wanted sex, like let's be honest, you know, that was the basis of thinking about men again was I would like to have sex at some point. And I can remember having those conversations where guys would almost say to you that they didn't mind that you had kids. And I would be like, you are not getting anywhere near it now. Because the point about children is that when men think that they're baggage, they're like, if they were baggage, would be the most expensive Burberry, Valentino, Couture, one-off baggage that you could ever have. And I think that men need to think about single mums in a different way to the way that they're sold them. You know, they're sold them as needy, desperate people who have relationships. And it's not true. We don't have time for those needs. We have time just for our kids' needs. So actually, we're the least needy, we're the most valuable, we're the most inquisitive and curious, and we're also determined. So we have the traits that make us really interesting yeah I think a lot of men need to change their 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 mindset definitely when it comes to single mums and I just I often find it so weird like you said like when a man would would meet me and think oh what what do you mean I'm like nothing like I just wanted to go Hakkasan like I just (laughs) I I, I can actually pay for my own meal I don't actually I just wanted the company you know and it's just it's it's really it's really ironic but um, I was going to ask you that being a single mom isn't easy and there's so much stigma surrounding uh, being a single mom. And in your days, like, how did you combat and overcome the stigma of being a single mom? I think, first of all, I'm unapologetically and unashamedly by myself. Like, I'm myself. I'm who I am. And I don't really feel that you learn anything good in the good times. I really don't. So when I meet somebody who's dealing with things like stigma or disorientation about their world because life's fell apart, I kind of think they're the most fruitful, most progressive, and most hopeful that they'll probably ever be. They just haven't figured it out. And because I'd worked in therapy for such a long time, and also I was really blessed in the fact that I never worked in middle-class environments. I worked on estates with the most discriminated young people in the whole of the UK. And I saw firsthand how those kind of people, in spite of their adversity, got up every morning, got their stuff together, tried their best in spite of all of that discrimination. So whenever they used to come and have a session with me, my belief was if you can get up and do that with all that you're facing, then I can get up and do what I need to do. And also I've kind of always felt that if you're a single parent and you feel ashamed, then that's not your shame to carry. That's the way that society has shaped it. So the only way that we can do anything with that is to take it, repackage it and throw it back into the world as success. And I think that the idea that any woman is lesser than because she hasn't managed to sustain a relationship with a guy and therefore has had the bravery to carry on with her children, the courage that takes when life isn't easy that's something that you should also use for your advantage. So the thing about me, and you'll probably know from the way that I am on TV is I don't have a filter. I don't have middle-class perspective and values. I'm very outspoken and I'd rather be cost by losing things in that respect than be what other people expect me to be and gain because then I'm not authentic. So the other thing I'd say is whoever you are, whatever challenges you're facing, just be authentically yourself because that's the way to find happiness in the long term. 
Definitely. No, I appreciate what you've just said. And I, I often speak to a lot of my single mummy friends on my platform and, and I say to them that there are 1.8 million single mums in the UK and right. like 400,000 single dads. And I find that a lot of people, society are more empathetic when they see a single father in the past. Oh, like, oh, God, yeah. oh my God, he's so hardworking. Oh my God. And the single mum could be working three jobs, studying and coming home and making dinner. And they're like, oh, well, she, she basically chose it. And it takes a lot of grit and it takes a lot of courage to get up and show up every single every single day and yeah I just find single moms so amazing and I just yeah. it breaks my heart when I'm just like you're doing this like you don't need anyone to pat you on the back you were doing this and even my, my my auntie she's married and she often says to me that my husband never changed a nappy he only took the kids out when they were able to play football so I basically have been a single mom you know like you and that's what we don't that's what a lot of single moms we think to ourselves that oh like she's got support some women actually don't have support they've just got a vessel yeah that's just true next to them you know so I I mean I I think that one of the big things that needs to change in our society is inequality of particular classes because you know for somebody like myself I was blessed in the fact that I had two parents who working class they might have been but they at least got me my education they encouraged me I was able to go to university and get paid because my parents couldn't afford it so like I got a grant and I want to place the poor place at a school which meant I got a private education because my parents didn't have to pay very much Mm -hmm. and I had my life transformed because of their willingness to go without some degree that was privilege you know even though I came from a working class background that was privilege and I think that more and more I'm looking at society and I'm thinking that whilst I want everybody to have the opportunity to aspire and be inspired, there are certain divisions of society now and they're not getting a foot in the door. You know what I mean? They're just not getting a foot in the door. And then you've got this whole political class system where those women, let's take a 17 year old girl from Tower Hamlets who has had a dysfunctional upbringing, maybe been abused and was out of education from 10 because her life made her angry and therefore she did not get the care and support that she deserved. And it's a failure on society, full stop. It's not a failure on her. She's a product of something that shouldn't have happened to her. But then she finds herself on the breadline in a really crap place, not being able to look after herself in the way that she should be allowed to. And then she has the judgment of society on that individual because why haven't you done ABC? And it's almost like we're not challenging that root cause, which is poverty and discrimination that causes these individuals to find themselves in situations that they should never have been in. And that's on us. That's on people like me and people even like, you know, people like you who do these kind of things because we're the ones who have to be the voice for those individuals who don't have it. Because at least we have the chance to work, right? At least we have the chance to aspire. And it's like, that's what's really crucifying me at the moment I'm seeing that there seems to be like this chasm now right of like just dysfunction and discrimination but it's all it's all projected on the individual like it's like some individual wakes up at 11 and goes this is the life I want I'm gonna have a really hard time it breaks my it really breaks my heart because after I left the ministry of justice because I was there for 10 years I started working for social services for two years but, so I worked for, um, I won't say the social services, yeah, but yeah, I worked there for, for two years. And I actually ended up handing in my notice because yeah, the, things that, yeah, the things that I was seeing, I was just like, we are not helping these right. families. We are judging. Yeah, we are not helping these families. And I find that the labelling theory is so paramount in regards to some of the social workers. I felt like if you label someone, they will fulfil the prophecy. You know, exactly. if you label exactly. a young 17 year old girl that looks, she's just going to end up pregnant anyway and she's going to be in a council flat. That's what ends up. That's what happens. 
Exactly. You know? Exactly. So it, it, we're not get like you said. We really need to get to the root cause of why people are doing what they're doing. You yeah, know, exactly. And, and even and even that. Like, that example you just gave then, that 17-year-old girl who gets pregnant and ends up in a council flat, you know, a lot of girls, a lot of guys think that having babies is about love and being connected and having family that you can't have taken away from you. And I get it because like, if you've been brought up and, and definitely the young people that I was brought up with and worked with, those young people didn't see a child as a negative. They saw a child as a connection, a belongingness, a sense of safety. And okay, they didn't have the resources and they didn't have the capacity necessarily to be the parent that they deserved to be but the desire to be came from that place of loss it came from a place of not having belongingness and that's what really drives me crazy because I hear and I see and particularly with the Brexit ideology and the right-wing press that's coming up you're getting more and more of this kind of traumatized young adult who has been traumatized by her or his experience in our society that's meant to protect and then they are not getting the resources required to change. And then they're being looked at like there's something broken within them as opposed to they are a product of a broken system that denies them opportunity. And then you're seeing people going, well, they don't want it or they're angry or they're doing it. And you're like, well, I would be. Like London's a great place to give an example of. You know, I was a girl from Manchester I didn't even go to London and started working in the media because like, it's not a place I would have even known about particularly, you know, I was a Manchester girl. I'd traveled like overseas on bootstrap kind of things like that, but I'd never kind of known anything about the South of England. I didn't know about the difference between the South and North divide. It was really naive of me. And I can remember going to Shoreditch and looking at Shoreditch and it's no, it's up and coming now, but there would be like council flats falling apart on one side of the road. And then there would be these massively overclass, middle-class places that were on the opposite side of the road. And then people were wondering why there were things like street robbery. And you're thinking to yourself, like, how in your face do you have to show young people that there is a distinction between them and them? Yeah, like the tale tale of two cities. The bourgeoisie just keep on getting richer and the periods are just, they're just there. Exactly. It's a perfect example. And that drives me crazy. And with single motherhood, when you've already got the issues like stigma and poverty, even for a woman like you or I, I was on the breadline when I was a single mom for a long time and that's okay. It helped me find my way, but at least I have my mum and dad that I could go home and have a hot meal if I needed one or I needed childcare because I couldn't afford to pay for a nursery. Those things totally transformed my life, right? But if I hadn't had that, and so many people don't have that, so and many single yeah. moms don't have that. And I think when we are trying to get across to mums everywhere, even though you're in the worst possible place potentially and you are struggling on the breadline and you do have those social issues and some people do look down on you, somewhere in you, those experiences will have triggered something unbelievably powerful if you listen. Yeah. We're not taught to listen to that intrinsic voice. That's what happy is for me. That was that intrinsic voice. It was that little thing saying, you could do this, you yeah. could do this. Yeah. And I think that everyone's got a, you can do this. Yeah, it's just, yeah. they almost have to amplify it more loudly when other people don't remind them of it yeah yeah honestly I think yeah when adversity builds grit you know and yeah and it does yeah so whatever position that you're in now like just just carry on and you you would achieve anything you want to achieve and don't believe don't believe it when people 
knock the door back. My thing in life, the one reason I'm successful is when somebody says no, it's just like one of the no's on the way to the yes. And again, I know that that comes from a place of having foundation. So I would never deny that when you don't have parents who've loved you, when you don't have a system that's protected you like you've been in care for example I know it's harder I know the reach is higher you know I know that's more exhausting Mm. but it's still in you and it's trying to just get that momentum for people it's trying to remind women that they have it in them it's just about activation and when you get that no just go and find the other door and find another door and then another door and then another door exactly um I was going to say um as a lone parent how did you balance between like parenting and then pursuing your dreams so I didn't really have a social life, if I'm really honest, when I was doing my master's as well, when I was a young woman, my husband had just gone. So I was doing education and working and bringing up my boys. I think what I did do, I backburned the social side of things. I really did. I realized that I didn't have time to go out. I didn't have opportunity and money to do that. So I kind of agreed with myself that what I would do was I'd take as much time to learn. So, I mean, it it sounds hilarious when I say this because I am really dyslexic. So I was statemented for dyslexia and dyscalculia and dyspraxia. I'm terrible at that. Never give me a maths equation. You will be here for several years. In fact, funnily enough, somebody took me to one of those escape rooms. You know those escape rooms? Yes, yes, I've been to that, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd still be there. If they didn't <laughs> let you out, when you didn't find the way out, I would, I'd still be in the escape room. Um, there were like six-year-olds who were figuring it out before me. I yeah, but people have different strengths. Even Einstein was the, yeah, so. Yeah, you, you say that, but most of mine is just speaking and listening, that's it. But one of the things that I did when I used to go down to um, wherever I had, I'd take a book with me. Reading has always been a big part of my life. And I found this book that I thought said the problem with psychics. And I was like, oh, that sounds like an interesting book. The problem with psychics. I'll read about that. And um, by about the 10th page, I was like, this is really way more complex than I had imagined for psychics. And it turned out it was the problem with physics. Oh. So I'd completely screwed up. But I read this book. And again, I know it sounds ridiculous, but even though I had been a professional and I was working and I was doing this, I'd never really expanded my mind to think in different ways of yeah. believing that I could learn different things to what I'd learned at school. I was just a write-up at school. I was the biggest student that they'd ever had. I was in the psychiatric system because of it and the psychological oh. system. Yeah, it's fine. It's cool. I'm completely open about that because they couldn't understand why I wouldn't go to school. So I must be mad. You know, that was the way it was. She doesn't like going to school. So therefore she must be mad. Whereas I wasn't mad. I just really found it boring. And I went from being a working class kid to a private school. And I could not understand Greek mythology and things like Latin. It it was not my world. When I went to that school, I heard somebody talk about the word ski. And I thought it was a yogurt. Apparently it was a sport. But at the time that was how the disparity was for me at that school. So when I got that book, I remembered thinking, this is really interesting. And I read it about five times. And it reminded me that all the perceptions and presumptions I had about myself at school were that I was stupid and that I had a particular box that I could fit. And that opened up. So during every bit of spare time, which was little during my single parenthood, I devoted myself to learning and growing and doing things that I hadn't done. And then the other thing that I would say really helped is for the mums out there who'll be like, oh, I'm not sure about this one, Emma, but I don't have a filter, so I'll say it anyway. I had always felt like men had power. So 
I'd always had this big belief when I was a young woman that boys had more power than me in relationships, that it was the woman who waited to be asked. It was the woman who had to behave a certain way. These were all kind of stereotypes that you were brought up with to some degree and that sex had some kind of shame unless it was in like a long-term relationship, those kind of things. And so I just thought, I'm going to just challenge all of those assumptions. So I did. So I decided that I would have friends with benefits and that I wouldn't be emotionally involved with them and that I would take power over sexual experience. And that was amazing for me. So I didn't just work on my educational, experiential and challenging my own stereotypes about who I was as an academic, who I was as a learner, who I was as a business person. I challenged myself and my body, which was that this is my body. And if I want to have pleasure from that body, you don't have a right to judge me on that basis. And it was really great to let go of that because then when I met my husband, it was a different dynamic. It was a completely different experience where I felt that I was the one in control. I was the one demanding. I was the one saying what I would accept and not accept. And that's really shaped me as well. So being a single parent didn't just form me as far as giving me hunger and as you use the word grit, it also provided me with a sense of foundation that said, this body is incredible. Like I form men from this body. Like I created men from this body. I'm actually the opposite of that. I've actually abstained for two years and I feel, yeah. I did, I did, I did, I did, I did, I did did celibacy for a while. I'm saying that was my fruition. Yeah, yeah, but I actually feel stronger. I feel more. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know whether it's burst creativity or maybe I'm just frustrated, I don't know. But I just, yeah, I felt like every time I would give myself away to someone, it was like chipping away at me because I would have like an expectation from that person. And in actual fact, like I'm learning how to just have, just to be, to enjoy being single and not meet someone and just expect that, okay, is this the right, is this, is he he the one when in actual fact he might not be, he might just be there for a particular reason. Listen, I I completely concur with that. For me, the friends with benefits was an absolutely no relationship zone. It was a way of knowing that there was nothing I wanted with that person bar friendship and the occasional meal and sex. And for me, that was where that power dynamic, which you just talked about, that idea of it's too emotionally investing to care about whether they're going to call you to care about. So there was something really beautiful about the boundaries and paradigm that was able to say, I'll see you in two weeks on a Friday. And that was it. And it was a really, really respectful for the guys that I did have those relationships with it was just totally respectful I'm still friends with them so it's kind of those scenarios where it was the perfect opportunity to explore me without having to be responsible without having to ask those difficult questions and I did celibacy and again it was peaceful I would say that the most peaceful time was that but when I met my husband he met a completely different woman to who I was when my ex-husband left me and I don't think there was a more powerful existential you know transcendental experience than being a single one how did you then merge like your like blend the family after you meeting your husband well so I'm quite lucky in the fact that and I don't mean this as in it's not okay if a man has kids but obviously it's more complex in step families when the partner that you meet has got children that might come into your home yeah. so he doesn't he hasn't got any children oh, so yeah. first yeah first of all that was kind of easier for me because it meant that his full attention would be on my boys okay. secondly 
my husband is like a really kind human. He's really creative. He's a musician and he's a, he makes little films and stuff. He's like the least ambitious as far as he's ambitious for our family, but not yeah. money wise. He doesn't have that kind of, I need to go out and do this. He wants to do things that bring the family together. So oh. he's always been really family orientated in that way. And I would say that he does more of the stereotypical female stuff in our life so he's the guy who gets up and cleans he's the guy who pays the bills he's the guy who sorts all the house out he's the guy who does the shopping he's the guy who does the cooking because my life is kind of really busy basically and you just you've got the best man in the world he never complains <laughs> like he never complains i am oh. very lucky and so my boys have grown with him for the past you know eight years and they see him very much as their father and it's accepted by my ex-husband that Pete has been their dad because he showed up and he did that, it all that is so refreshing that is oh there were so... loads of guys like that there were loads of guys like that there are well, so that actually just gives me hope I've got hope <laughs> you won't have a problem it's just like you said about it's about knowing that you don't have to accept less than exactly. you can demand what you desire and actually a really great human being no matter who you meet they're gonna accept that is part of your greatness you know yes. one of the things that he always said to me was that one of the hardest parts of being with me is that he knows I don't need him and he's right I don't if he walked out tomorrow I'd be sad but my life would carry on that's a position that every woman should feel that like is. when you've been through that as a single mom, you've already done it. You've manifested it. You've coped. You should never, ever start a new relationship with fear because you've done it. There, mm. There's nothing that they can bring you more than what you have. And they can only either add to your existing happiness or if they reduce it at all, they should go. And that's how you should always approach meeting yeah. your relationships, in my opinion. No, that is, that is, I, that's the advice I'm going to start giving everyone. Like they, they are. Honestly, that is... Well, you know, the other advice, and this is dead genuine, as I talk loads, but this is dead genuine. Um, I was on my own. I'm really happy. For those years, I just never wanted to meet anybody. I wanted to just be able to service myself and get on with my life and all of those things. And I went to bed one night and I remembered thinking, I have a, at the time, I had a really good Muslim friend and he had been obsessed since I had got divorced that I should get remarried so in a lot of Islamic tradition a woman is to be looked after so a yeah. woman who's divorced or has have been left it's important for the community to make sure that that woman is looked after and protected right so he okay. had this very clear understanding that I needed a husband right so he was really instrumental with me and Pete getting together down the line right because he'd seen that Pete was single and thought I need to get her married off and the fact that it worked is lovely, but nonetheless, that's the distinction kind of thing that was going on. But before that actually happened, he had talked to me about the fact that he felt like it's really important for a woman with children to be married. And I was like, hey, I come from like a really kind of Caucasian Christian background at best. And we weren't practicing. So like we didn't really have any of that kind of belief system. Yeah. But I went to bed one night and I remember we'd had this conversation when he'd come on a Wednesday and have a couple with me in the office. And I thought, the one thing that I do have a problem with is I'm not open. Like what I'd done is I decided a client had seen me and she had said, the most terrifying thing for me is to imagine that I'm going to be that old lady with cats. And I thought simultaneously, that's my dream. Like literally that was my thought. She was having this big fear and I was thinking, I want to be that old lady with cats. And I really thought about what like, like my friend was saying, Umar was saying, and the fact that I'd had that feeling. I thought, 
I'm not open. I'm not open to anything like meeting somebody or the possibilities. And I remember going to bed and just saying to myself, I'm going to be open. I'm just mm. going to be open. I'm going to be open to possibilities. And Pete walked into my life, literally that, mm. within about a week of that. And so oh, wow. always remain open. Yeah. the big advice I'd say to women. There are great men out there. Amazing. And they make great dads and they make yeah. up for all the hurt. But you have to be open to that. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I would. Yeah, that's that's so amazing. But I, I with me, I kind of. Not that I'm closed, not that I'm closed off, but I don't have enough heart for anyone to break again. So my fear is just the my brokenness, you know, and hence why I've kind of just stayed away and I'm not dating because it's just the fear. I know I just don't want to have to deal with that. And I feel like with me, when my heart was broken, um, I was carrying a child, but I don't want to be that broken mum. You know, you see those angry mum because they've mm. been hurt by society mm. hurt by men hurt by their jobs I just I'm so afraid of being that person and I often I say this to other people but sometimes when you're afraid of something you run into its arms you know and I don't want that to be me you know so I mm. do need to be open and I need totally. I need to change change my mindset in your mindset to- I think the thing about brokenness is so that everybody's broken like that's the human condition you know you're a million pieces but you can either leave it all on the floor or you can make it into some beautiful mosaic that looks like a masterpiece you know and the other thing is self-trust nobody can make you an angry person apart from you nobody can break your heart unless you give them the opportunity to do it in a way that damages you equally you can always have the mind that for example, the guy who let you down, he also bestowed on you the most beautiful gift, which is what's made you who you are. And that child, without him, without that blessing, you wouldn't have what you have now. And that would mean that you wouldn't be the human that you are now. So you would have to essentially give away everything that you are in this moment if you want him and that story to have played out. Mm-hmm. And you have to ask yourself those things because usually the things that have caused us pain have also given us such amazing gifts. And when it comes down to a new partner, you've already known what it's like to be in pain. So the pain can never get any deeper. So you may as well allow yourself to be open to it because the minute that somebody touches you in a way that you think reflects that negativity, you'll kick them to the curb. And it does make you a little less willing to be completely open to vulnerability, but that's okay. But to shut the door completely and entirely means that all those lessons that you learned getting to that point have not been used. So you essentially have all this amazing new lesson and learning, but you're not allowing yourself to trust yourself to use it. And that can be really helpful to do that. Oh my God, I feel like I've just had like my counselling session. I feel so, <laughs> oh wow, I feel so like refreshed and like, I'm getting, I should have been taking notes. I've just been there, that's <laughs> all, that's the key. <laughs> when you were on radio and um, radio one and um, you said that um how to develop good habits how would you as a, the mothers that are listening how how would you develop good habits what, what advice would you give for someone so the first and most important thing is to not listen to the lies about like habits being really easy to form they're not habits aren't easy to form they think that it goes between something like 21 18- days 
yeah, like it were 18 to 266 days, in fact, oh. with around the average being about in the 70s zone, right? So it can take up to 70 days to form a healthy habit. And a habit versus a routine is that a habit is something that you want to become effortless and natural. So it becomes about practicing. The most important thing to do with a habit is to know what the outcome is that you want. So I've got a dog walking in to anybody who uh, is my old dog just walked in there. You're a habit, aren't you? Um, so yeah. So habits for me are about making it as part of your life so that it doesn't disrupt it to a degree where it becomes a problem. So like anything that is repetitive, anything that you can make into the unconscious area of your brain is going to be helpful. If it's a healthy habit, you need to think about how you create time frames so that it doesn't disrupt the bigger things. Therefore, you will commit to it. And the most important thing is to move them into small achievable goals, essentially. You know, the whole smart targets things work. Okay. So basically make sure that you break down what the habit is and what the outcome is. What's the payoff? So for example, there's nothing worse than somebody saying, I want to get fit. I mean, that's never going to happen. Or yeah. I want to lose weight. It's never going to happen because you're not being specific. Yeah. You have to look at what you can shift and change in your life that invariably won't cause too much disruption. So therefore it makes it easy to stick to. And then you solidly repeat that to a point where it becomes less than that obvious. I have to consciously think about this and more of the unconscious reaction. And I suppose the other thing is that health and happiness takes work. It really does. It's far easier drinking vodka after a bad day than sitting with your feelings and processing them. But the payoff is that when you sit with them and process them, you move forward. Whereas the vodka will just make you say stagnant. So when you think about health and happiness, it's about sitting down and planning what your vision board is about what your pen portrait future should be. And the more that you do that, the more that you can create the healthy habits around that, that make that arrive. Yeah, definitely. Oh my God, Emma, thank you so much. It's no. a pleasure. Yeah. Um, what are, and where can people find you on social media? So my handle's always Emma Kenny TV. My app is, if you look up, weareappy.com and it's going to be released on the app store in about five weeks so you can get all your free stuff there and if you like listening to meditation and things like that there's loads of free resources that i use on youtube that i've created so everything's free i have a big democratic Um, access to platforms of health so you don't have to pay for things because i remember what it was like to be a single mom do you have anything planned for the rest of the year anything exciting coming up I've got a few series that I'm doing, like I'm always doing my crime series. Um, obviously this morning that I do weekly. I've just signed a publishing deal, but I don't know what book I'm going to write. So who knows? Let's see what happens, whether it actually happens, because it just feels a bit exhausting at the moment. Oh, but yeah. I'm going to do it. Um, so yeah, I mean, just, you know, just keep on keeping on. Really, I just want to retire one day, do lots of free therapy and yeah. create a healing retreat for animals and humans. So oh, the more that I can do that, yeah. that'd be great. What about you? Have you got any plans? Well, I am currently writing a book. Amazing. So, yes, yes. Um, so I'm just, I'm working on that. This podcast is is new for me and That's I great. was procrastinating for so long, but um, I'm just getting it out there. I'm showing do up it. for myself because I'm, I have, because I've, I've left the Ministry of Justice and I left social services, I started doing marketing and branding for different companies. Good for you. And yeah, so just doing a lot of freelance, but I found that I, I show up so much for other people and this year and it being a global pandemic I've actually just had to everyone's realized that their job isn't safe really and everyone's realized that like life is really short ultimately yep. so I'm just going to show up for myself for the rest of the year carry on loving on my son and yeah just living my best life really because life, life is is so short 
Yeah, it's breath of breath of consciousness, blink of an eye. Let's enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. Crikey. It's been so nice talking to you. Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been really refreshing. Thank you so much. And I'm a good looking boy you've got. Oh, thank you. Made a You look great. Yeah, you did. You did. You can take all the credit. That's okay. I'm telling you. No, it has it has been it's been hard, but I actually, yeah, I'm just I'm just doing it and I'm happy. That, and that's one yeah. thing I, I really want a lot of women to to experience just and to feel peace in the moment stop planning the future isn't it it's yeah. about do it now yeah. like you said you know show up for yourself just do it now just to, don't just wait do to be invited to the table yeah. that's my it, thing exactly and just just go for it reach out to people speak to people support people because yeah life like I said life is too short and just yeah, really live is. in the moment live in the moment yeah so thank you so much for taking pleasure the yeah thanks for letting me meet your boy magnificent day (laughs) and i'll send i'll send you this as well so you've got it yeah please okay all right take care sweet girl bye-bye